Uh, well, welcome today. Uh, happy Father's Day to you if you are a father out there. If you're new, my name is Jonathan. I'm lead pastor here at Ridge Church. Glad that you're joining us uh, today. Uh, we are in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and we've been starting that each week uh, by reciting the Lord's Prayer together, I suppose, if you would like to. If not, I just want to read it for you again and remind you of what this amazing prayer is that Jesus taught us. It goes this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's an amazing prayer. It's a famous prayer. We've been going through it line by line. And today we come to what is arguably the most radical line in the entire prayer. It's this one. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And it's radical on the one hand because of what it teaches us about who God is and what God is willing to do for us, especially when we begin to understand the kind of rebellion that we have had against God. But it's also radical on the other hand because of what it expects of us to do in turn, which is to forgive others. You see, we have a tendency to really like the first part of that line that, you know, God forgive us for our sins. We, we run there. We're grateful for it. But the second part, you know, as we forgive those who have, you know, have sinned against us, that's the, that's the line that we often struggle with much more deeply. It, 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 it's that part of the, the prayer is complicating and, and challenging and, and, and it's hard. And, and especially because often the people that we most need to get, forgive are the ones who have hurt us the most. And those are generally the ones that are closest to us or were closest to us. In fact, when we get to talk to that part of this prayer, the, the you know, forgive others, that's fraught with all kinds of complexity and challenges, isn't it? I mean, as a, as a pastor, you know, I, I sit in my office and listen to people share some of the hardest things that they've ever walked through in their life and, and the deep hurts that they've experienced. And, and I understand that this whole idea of just forgiving people is not so easy as it sounds. There's, there's a complexity to it all especially when we get to the real world, especially when we get to like, what does that actually look like in real life? So for instance, let me take the example of a young mother who was, was repeatedly abused by her stepfather growing up all her life. And, and, and her stepfather has never, I mean, he's never apologized. He has never repented. He has never tried to make amends for what it is that he did. And now the conversation turns to forgiveness. And the question is, just like, like what, what does that mean? What, what does it look like? And, and, and what are the consequences for her if she actually chooses to forgive her stepfather? I mean, she's a young, young mother with young children. If she forgives her stepfather, does that mean that she should allow her young daughters to stay overnight with her mother and her stepfather? Is, I, mean, I mean, what if he were to molest one of her children. But if she doesn't do that, I mean, is it dishonoring to her mother? Is it, it, does it mean that she hasn't actually forgiven her stepfather if she isn't willing to do it? And you know, when you get in that kind of conversation, I mean, it's the kind of conversation that makes her sick to her stomach just to think about forgiving and what's involved in that. And each of us can relate to this in our own ways. I mean, maybe not exactly to that example, but, but for each of us, we understand the complexity that comes, the, 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 the real consequences that happen in our lives when it comes to actually 
forgiving somebody else. And on top of that, on top of that, when it comes to forgiveness, there's just this high level of emotion that we experience, right? I mean, we need to grant forgiveness because we've been hurt and sometimes so deeply and and sometimes those wounds are just fresh and so raw. And other times they're just these scars that we've carried for a long time. And, and so, well, the idea of God forgiving us is beautiful and, and wonderful and we like it. The idea of forgiving others. I mean, that, that's, I mean, it sounds so good on paper, but it's not so easy when it comes down to actually doing it. In fact, when we get into a conversation about Forgiveness, a lot of people have this sort of fear like, oh no, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to think about this because God is going to ask me to do something that will make me miserable. I mean, they'd rather get a root canal than talk about and think about actually forgiving some of the incredible hurt that they've experienced in their life. And yet, forgiveness is something that God calls us to. Forgiveness is something that Jesus teaches us to pray for when we pray. Something that he calls us to do. And, 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 and we're to do it not only because it's right, not only for God's glory, but also for our benefit. So that we experience joy and flourishing in our lives. And so it's important that we have this conversation about what forgiveness is. And that it's not a cliche or a glib conversation, but we look carefully and deeply at exactly what, what, what forgiveness is and what it means for us, both when we receive forgiveness from God and when we grant forgiveness to others. So let's talk about it. One of the problems with forgiveness is that often people don't have a very clear idea of what it is. As Christians, we talk about it all the time, but very rarely do Christians or others for that matter have a very clear understanding of what forgiveness is all about. Uh, Ruth Graham, that's one of Billy Graham's daughters, not, her, not his wife, one of his daughters also had the name Ruth Graham. Uh, she learned that her husband had had an affair and devastated her. And, and she remembers that her family and her friend counseled her to forgive him. And she wrestled with that. And, and, and th this is what she wrote. She says, well, what did forgiveness really mean? What did it look like? I didn't know. Everyone seemed to have a different definition. That's the case, isn't it? I mean, people have all kinds of different ideas of what exactly forgiveness means. And for, for many people, it's fuzzy and it's unclear. And, and, and that's a problem. You have to understand that, that how you understand forgiveness is really, really important. Your view of forgiveness will affect how you handle your teenager when she rolls her eyes or, or how you relate to an abusive partner or, or whether or not you go ahead and marry your fiancé or not or, or whether you counsel your friend to leave her husband or not. You see, forgiveness, the, the forgiveness choices that you make will shape much of your life, often in a deep and profound way. So it's incredibly important that you have a very clear, very solid, and if you're a follower of Jesus, a very biblical understanding of what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Because, because it'll have a, a very practical impact on how you live your life in all kinds of ways. So, Let's talk about that. What is forgiveness? What does Jesus mean when he teaches us to pray about forgiveness? Well, here's the, here's the key word as we start talking about this. It's this word in this phrase, forgive us our debts as we forgive, as we have also forgiven our debtors. As. 
as that key word that ties these two ideas together. In other words, Jesus is talking in the same way. In other words, we are to forgive others in the same way that God has forgiven us. The Apostle Paul picks up this same idea in his writing to the churches. In, in Ephesians, he writes this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as, in the same way. The, the way that God forgives us is how we are to forgive others. In the Colossians 3.13, he says this, Bearing with one another and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So here's this key idea. It's really key in this conversation that we're going to have this week and next, and that's this. God expects the followers of Jesus, his followers, to forgive in the way that he forgave them. In other words, if you want to understand what forgiveness means, if you want to understand what forgiveness is like, if you want to understand what you should do and what you shouldn't do and how to go about forgiving the people in your life, that have hurt you, the place to start is to understand how God has forgiven you, how he goes about forgiving. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. However, you have to understand that what we talk about this week is vital. It's, it's so foundational for what we're going to talk about next week when it comes to talking about forgiving others. So make sure that you are following this and getting it because this is the foundation for how you live it out in the rest of your world. So, where do we start when it comes to forgiveness? The place is to start is by acknowledging that we need forgiveness. By acknowledging that we have, all of us have offended God. And just as we have all of us in one way or another offended and hurt people around us, whether we intended to or not, in the same way, we have to acknowledge that we have offended God. And uh, the, the problem goes back to the very first humans, back to Adam and Eve God put them in the Garden of Eden and they rebelled against God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in so doing, they destroyed their relationship with God, but not just theirs, but for all of humanity to follow him, follow them, which, which means that we are all born sinners and we all choose to be sinners, which means that, that, that therefore we have sinned against God and there is a penalty for that sin. The Bible teaches us that there is a penalty for our sins, and that penalty is the wrath of God. It is, it is eternity in hell apart from God. Now, it's not a particular, particularly popular notion these days, and yet it is very clearly what the Bible teaches. Now, often people will say, well, look, I've done a few bad things in my life, but hardly deserving of going to hell. I mean, look at the guy beside me. They've done terrible things. Maybe they deserve it, but I don't deserve it. But that's kind of like, that's kind of like participating in a, in, a, in a coup. You know, it's kind of like joining with a group of people and taking weapons and seeking to overthrow the duly elected government of a, of a nation. You know, when you do that, when they capture you and they put you on trial, you can't very well say, look, I acknowledge that I tried to overthrow the government, but, but those guys, they did worse. They, they were trying harder to overthrow the government than me. So therefore, you know, I, I don't, I don't really deserve any kind of punishment. In fact, I, I'm, I'm still going to rebel against you when I feel like it, but you should let me go. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an indefensible argument. You, you can't make that argument. And yet so many people make that argument when it comes to God. They say, well, I'm not as bad, so therefore I don't. But the fact of the matter is, is that the penalty for treason in any country, 
is severe. In, in most, it's death. In some, it's just a very, very long time in prison. And the same is true with God. If you've rebelled against the Holy God, if you've sinned against Him, whether a little or a lot, it's treason. And the punishment for that is severe. Unless, unless you receive this thing called forgiveness. So, that means that this conversation we're having now about how God would forgive us is one of the most important truths that you will ever hear or ever need to think about in your life. So let's talk about it. Here's, here, here's what God's forgiveness is like. First of all, God's forgiveness is gracious, but it is not free. Look, it doesn't matter how good you've been or how hard you've tried to be good. You can never be good enough to earn God's favor and to receive God's forgiveness. The Apostle Paul before he became a Christian. I mean, he worked so hard at this. He was one of the most observant Jews you could imagine. He, he kept every law of the Old Testament, and there are many of them, as well as he possibly could. He committed himself to learning and, and to studying, to a lifetime of serving God. He, he, he committed himself intellectually to knowing all that there was, but not just intellectually. He lived it out. And the ironic thing is, in his effort to try to earn God's favor, he ended up persecuting and killing people, the Christians in his case. Uh, but the very thing that he tried so hard to do, even as hard as he tried, he couldn't get it right. No one knows better than Paul how hard it is to get it right, and no one tried harder. And in the end, he realized that you can't earn God's favor. You can't earn his forgiveness. It's a gift. This is what Paul writes in his letter to the Christians in Ephesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, God doesn't offer you and me forgiveness because he sees some, you know, sort of seed of goodness in our life or, or because he sees some potential that what you could be. No. No, the, the reason why God would offer us forgiveness is purely because of his love. His forgiveness is motivated by his love. And again, the Apostle Paul, just a few verses before, talks about this very thing. He says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So God's motivation for this gift of forgiveness is his love. But, but that doesn't mean that the gift is easy or, or, or free. In fact, instead, it cost him a great deal. And again, the Apostle John points this out. He writes this. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That, that word atoning means an offering that turns away wrath. In other words, the wrath of God that was due to you and I was, was turned away from you and I and put instead on this sacrifice, which was Jesus. His death on the cross was the sacrifice that paid the price, the, the penalty for our sins. And you can imagine for God, that was a, an incredibly costly thing to do. I mean, I, no one's rebelled against me, but even if you were a great person, I wouldn't offer my son or my daughter to die in your place, even if they were willing. I mean, the, the cost is simply too high. And yet God, whom we rebelled against, who... who who we were in treason against, offered his own son, paid the price on the cross so that we might, might, we might be able to be forgiven. I mean, when we talk about the gift of God, a uh, gift of 
Forgiveness, it is an incredibly gracious gift that cost him a great deal. It's the first thing that we need to understand. But then secondly, you need to understand this. God's forgiveness is conditional. Only those who repent and believe are saved. See, God offers the gift of forgiveness to anyone and everyone. It's available to everyone who wants, but that doesn't mean that everyone is forgiven. You know, so often these days people say, well, if God were a good and loving God, he would simply forgive everyone and send no one to hell. And the fact of the matter is he is willing to forgive everyone and to send no one to hell if they're willing to receive the gift of forgiveness. But if they aren't, well, that's kind of on that person, isn't it? I mean, if you commit treason against the government and they capture you and the very one that you were trying to, to capture and to kill and to overthrow offers their own son to take the suffering in your place so that you can go free and you reject that gift, well, th then that's kind of on you, isn't it? I mean, then you deserve condemnation and, and judgment and ultimately death. You see, forgiveness from God is a conditional thing. It's not automatic. The Apostle John writes this. He says this, if, if, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a conditional thing, the forgiveness of God. It doesn't go to anyone just because. But if you want to receive this gracious and very expensive gift, then how do you do that? Well, the answer is this. The apostle John says that you have to confess your sins. This is the idea of repentance. This is, this is saying to God, God, I acknowledge that I've been trying to be the king and the ruler of my own life. I have done it my way. I've rebelled against you. And I, I am sorry. I repent. I turn away from that. It's the first part. But the second part is faith. It's not just being sorry about it, but it's saying, and in turn, I put my trust in your son, Jesus. I put my faith in him. The Bible talks about believing in him. Again, the Apostle Paul, he, he talks about this two-step process to receiving forgiveness. He says this, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance and faith. That's how you receive this incredibly beautiful gift of forgiveness in your life. And if you do, then here's the third thing that's part of this process of forgiveness. God's forgiveness is a commitment. The most common word for forgiveness in the Bible, the, the Greek word is the word aphemi, which means to release from legal or moral obligation or consequences. You see, when God forgives you, he makes a commitment to you. He makes a promise, and that is that the penalty for your sins, the wrath of God that is due to you, is, is forever taken away. There is this deep commitment. In fact, the Bible calls it justification. It says that you are justified before God. You are seen forevermore as being righteous in his eyes. And it's a legal term because it's talking about this idea of forgiveness. You are legally right before God and released. So, so the idea is that when God forgives you, he forgives you. It's done. He didn't bring it up over and over again. No, no, no. You are completely and fully forgiven. But there's more than to this whole idea of forgiveness. It's not just that you're forgiven and away you go. No, no. Here's what it, the next point. Forgiveness lays the foundation for and begins the process for reconciliation. You see, sometimes people think forgiveness means, hey, I forgive you. I'm good. And, and you go your way. I go my way. We're, we're, we're done with each other. But 
but I don't hold anything against you. But that's not a biblical understanding of forgiveness. George Jones writes this. People are mistaken if they think of Christian forgiveness primarily as absolution from guilt. The purpose of forgiveness is the restoration of communion, the, the reconciliation of brokenness. You see, God didn't just forgive you so that you wouldn't have any guilt in your life anymore and you could just get on with your life and he could get on with his. No, no. Rather, he, he forgives you with the expectation that your relationship with him will be restored and renewed and it will go richer and, and, and deeper. That's the whole purpose of forgiveness. This is what Paul talks about in, in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. He says this, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the, 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 the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses or their sins against them. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying that we are made right with God so that we can be in a right relationship with him. He goes on to say this. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the next thing that you just have to understand. Forgiveness is so that you will be reconciled, so that you will be in this beautiful, ongoing relationship with him. Okay, then one more point that's vital to understanding forgiveness. And that's this. Forgiveness does not mean the elimination of all consequences. As we just talked about, when God forgives you, he forgives you. It's done. I mean, Psalm 103 talks about, you know, you, you, your, your sins are as far away as the east is from the west when you ask God to forgive your sins. And Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you are forgiven, you are forgiven. It's done. But that doesn't mean that there still aren't consequences in your life because of your sins. You know, and one of, the, one of the best examples of that is the story of David and Bathsheba. You know, if you've been reading through the Bible with us this year, then you actually literally read this story in the last week or so. And, and by the way, I mean, if you are uh, one of the people who is reading through the Bible with us this year, let me just encourage you, keep going. I mean, we're almost at July 1st, which puts us halfway through. And if you're like me and sometimes you, you know, falling behind, uh, then you should just, uh, you know, find some time, put on your AirPods or play it in your car or whatever it is. Just listen and catch up. But I just want to encourage you, keep going. Because you see these stories from the Old Testament and from the rest of the Bible, they lay, lay that, that background information that, that just helps us to understand so clearly what it means to follow God and, and, and who he is and what he's doing. So keep going. Now, uh, for all of us, whether you have been reading through the Bible or not, let me just remind you of this story of David and Bathsheba. David was the, the king of Israel, this man after God's own heart, who was following God, ruling so well. And one day he sent his army off to war, but he didn't go. Instead, he was up on his rooftop. He looked down, he saw this beautiful woman bathing. And, and so he sent for her. And he took her and he slept with her and, and sent her home. Done. Uh, but uh, it wasn't long after that that she sent him a note. Her name was Bathsheba. She sent him a note saying, I'm pregnant. And now David had a problem. And so he, he found out who her husband was, a man named Uriah, one of his best soldiers who was off at war. 
and he sent a message to send Uriah home. And, and he, he worked hard to, to get Uriah to go and sleep with his wife. But Uriah had so much integrity that because his fellow soldiers in the regiment weren't able to be home with their wives, he also wouldn't go in and see his wife. And after a couple of tries, David gave up. Instead, he, he wrote a note, sealed it, and had Uriah himself deliver it to his commander. And the note ordered that Uriah be put in such a place in the battle that he would be killed in battle. That's what happened. Uriah was killed in battle, murdered at the command, really, of David. But with him dead and out of the way, David could take Bathsheba to be his wife. And he thought he was good. You know, these things never stay hidden. And, and Nathan came, the prophet, and he confronted David with his sins. And when David was confronted with his sins, you know what his response was? He repented deeply, honestly, openly, with, with incredible sorrow. I mean, if you want to read about it, you can read in Psalm 51, David's response. He, he's so repentant before God. And God forgives David for both adultery and murder. But that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for what happens for, for those sins. In fact, I mean, the, the story tells us that the consequences is that, I mean, Nathan told him that there would now be violence in his family because of, because of the violence that he perpetrated against this other, this other man in his family and, and that the, the child that he and Bathsheba had conceived together would die. And that's what happened. The child did die. And, and in David's family, uh, not too long after that, one of his sons, a guy named An, An, Amnon, uh, went and raped his daughter by another woman uh, and he raped her and and then that that uh, daughter her brother Absalom was so angry that he found Amnon and Am, Amnon sorry and he murdered him and then later after all kinds of drama Absalom himself had a coup against David and tried to overthrow him I mean there was just these severe severe consequences in his life because of his sin now, here's the question. I mean, if God truly forgives us, why are there still consequences? Why doesn't God just take away all the consequences and say, you've repented, you're good? And the answer is that God disciplines those that he loves. He, not, not, not for the purposes of punishing them, but for the purposes of teaching and training them how to live to honor him. And this is what the writer of Hebrews talks about. He, here's what he writes. He says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, what he's saying is that God allows the, the consequences of sin in our life, not as punishment, but as training. For our benefit. So he says, so that we, we might see an abundant harvest of righteousness and then we might have peace in our lives. But that training is sometimes really painful. You know, it's like this. If you had a, a toddler, a four-year-old, and you got down and you explained that that, 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 that four-year-old's good friend lived on the other side of the street, but they couldn't just go there whenever they wanted on their own without asking and telling you because it was dangerous to cross the street. If you explained all of that to your toddler 
And then one day you were busy doing whatever and they managed to get out the screen door and, and go around the front of the house and cross the street to the other side to their friends. When you caught up with your toddler, when you finally stopped panicking and figured out where your beautiful, precious child was and you found out that they were safe at the other house but that they had crossed the street, you would, or at least you should, discipline your little son or daughter. You should bring into their life significant consequences. Now, why? Why would you do that? Because you're vindictive and you hate your little son or daughter? No, no, of course not. No, no. You would provide to their life real consequences, significant consequences, painful, whatever that is for a four-year-old child, however you define that. But it would be painful consequences. Why? Because you love them so much and so deeply that you don't ever want them to do that again, right? Now, now, when they're experiencing that discipline in their life, they probably aren't thinking that it's just because you're so loving and such a wonderful parent and, and they're so grateful for it. But you know that that's exactly why you're doing it, because you love them so deeply. Because you want them to live a long, healthy, happy life and not get run over by a car because they're a four-year-old crossing the street without looking. And so it's a painful lesson for them. But it has to be painful because that's how they learn not to repeat that very thing. You see, if we choose to disobey God, we should expect consequences. God loves us too much not I mean, he loves us too much to allow us to play in the street, so to speak. But don't confuse his loving discipline with a penalty. Discipline is loving correction from a parent. Penalty is exacting payment for an offense. If you're a follower of Jesus, the purpose of God's discipline in your life is that first one. It's, it's training. It's not to inflict punishment on you. If he were to inflict punishment on you, that would be sending you to hell. And he's not doing that. God disciplines his children so that they will understand the seriousness of their sin and that they will become more like Jesus. It's part of the whole process of forgiveness. So, this is what forgiveness looks like. This is a clear biblical definition of forgiveness based on how God forgives us. The author and uh, pastor and author Chris Bronze defines forgiveness this way. God's forgiveness is this, a commitment by the one true God to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they're reconciled to him, although this commitment does not eliminate all consequences. Okay, so let's review it here. God's forgiveness is gracious. It's a gracious gift that, that costs a great deal but is offered freely to whoever would receive it. But it's also conditional. Only those who repent and put their faith in Jesus will actually receive his forgiveness. But if you receive it, there's a commitment. A commitment that forgiveness is forgiveness. That you are forgiven. That God doesn't go back. He doesn't keep bringing it up. But there's also this understanding that forgiveness is foundational for more. It is the beginning of a process of reconciliation. Of, of a renewed and a rich and a deep, meaningful relationship with God himself. But then finally, forgiveness doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. Rather, the consequences that we endure are because it's God's training for us so that we might live a life 
that is godly and, and one that ultimately flourishes, one that is filled with goodness and peace. That's what forgiveness is. And it's vital that you understand that, that you understand that because next week we are going to talk about that. That's going to be the foundation for how we think about the question of do we and how should we forgive the people in our world that have hurt us. But this week, this week, the important is, the, the question is, and, and really is the most important question that you really will ever have to address in your life. And that's this, do you know the forgiveness of God in your own life? Have you received the forgiveness of God in your own life? Because how you answer that will have a profound effect on how you live this life and what happens to you in, in eternity after this life. See, God, ever, God offers everyone this gift. It doesn't matter how good you've been, how bad you've been, whether you've tried hard or haven't tried hard. It, it, it doesn't matter. This is a, a gift that is graciously offered to everyone, but it costs Jesus deeply. But it is not automatic. If you want to receive it, you need to repent and you need to put your faith in Jesus. And if you're going to do that, I mean, that, that means saying, I'm no longer going to make myself the king of my own life. God, I, I confess that I have rebelled against you, that I have turned against you, that I have tried to be my own king, that I've been treasonous towards you, and that I deserve hell. I deserve incredible punishment. God, would you forgive me? And instead, put my faith in Jesus. And if you do that, he'll forgive you. And the way that you do that is that you just tell him. I mean, you, you, we call it praying. You can pray out loud. You can pray quietly in your heart. He knows your heart. You say, God, this is me. This is what I've done. This is what I want to do. I want to put my faith in you. Please forgive me of my sins. And, and I accept the atoning sacrifice, the, the price that Jesus paid on the cross in my place. And now I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to enter a relationship with you. I, I want to walk with you. I want to have you in my life, God. And if you do that, oh, he will forgive you so gladly. There'll be such joy in heaven as you say, yes, I want to do this. And so I just want to encourage you today. I want to invite you today to do that. And if you have questions about that, if you want to know more about that, if you want someone to pray with you about that, then, I mean, send us an email here at the church, info at ridgechurch.ca, and we'll be glad uh, to, to, to give you more information to help you as you walk through this thing. Look, forgiveness, this is one of the most beautiful things that anyone can experience in this life. There is no greater forgiveness that we would ever experience than the forgiveness that God gives us. The freedom that we have, knowing that we're no longer under the penalty for the sins in our life. I want to encourage you this day. Would you, would you experience that forgiveness in your life? Let me, uh, let me, end, by, let me end by praying for you. Let's pray together. Well, God, it's quite the topic that we're talking about today. And in many ways, it is the heart of the, of the good news of what Jesus has did. That you, God, would grant us forgiveness in spite of our treason against you, in spite of our open rebellion. And yet in so doing that you would also fulfill the demands for justice, that, that a penalty be paid for that kind of treason. So, God, we see your brilliance and your majesty and your glory and your grace and your goodness in this idea of forgiveness. And God, we're so grateful that you would offer it to us. And so this day, I pray, Lord, that we would live 
in light of that forgiveness. Lord, that we would walk in gratitude for it. Lord, that our lives would be lives of holiness and, and righteousness, not because we are so great, but because of what you've done in our lives. God, I pray particularly for those that you've been speaking to today through these words. Lord, those who, who you are offering the free gift, uh, the, the, the gracious gift of forgiveness. Lord, would you just so gently but firmly invite them? And would they be faithful, God, to answer that call, to find forgiveness through Jesus and to enter into a relationship with you? God, would you just lead them forward as they do that, as they continue to do that? So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.